Hi, listener. This is From Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ideological doctrine and ego in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. Today, I'm interviewing Chelsea Jeheber, an intuitive light channel and medium with an emphasis on science, well, not just spirituality. She approaches channeling of the likes of celestial light beings, Arcturians, and Nihail, Nihals, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, to be honest, uh, in an accessible way. Uh, she runs a YouTube channel from Newcastle, Australia, and on her website, she offers channeling services with a range of beings. So she's quite interesting, I think. And uh, well, how are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so it's pronounced Nihals, but when I receive new light beings, like the Lyrans, I, I they don't say it. I see the word. So I was calling them Nihals for like the longest time. And I was calling the Lyrans Lyrans for the longest time as well. So I get it. Like people are like, I don't know if that's how you'd say it. And I'm like, ah, I just hear it a certain way. So. So you mentioned Lyrans. So they're like cats, right? So how, yeah, how does that I, work? Man, I don't know. It's so they don't, how they show up to me most of the time, the light beans will just look like beans actually made of light, but they download information into me like boxes or chunks of information of what they kind of look like. So the sort of cat like beans, they might just have cat like features or like feline energy, but I don't know. I always think of the Broadway show Cats, like the really bad one, the movie, I guess, where they looked really awful and hideous right. and everyone. All that. Yeah, I don't think, I think they're more beautiful and have more humanoid features than we think. So, so. what do you think about how there seem to be connections between certain alien races and species on Earth, whether they're, you know, so that I, yeah, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, as I've been shown, a lot of our DNA is actually alien DNA. But when you put the word alien in front of it, people sort of get freaked out and think that we're, our DNA is being messed with. And how I see it is we were put here, our organic matter was put here on Earth for the purpose, this sort of experiment to see if they could mix various organic matter throughout the universe because each DNA sort of from each race has its own vibration and frequency. So when you put that all into one little melting pot, the purpose is to see if we can all get along, if we can make it work, if we can get, get, get our shit together basically right. on a smaller scale to, so then we can broaden that on a bigger scale. Yeah. I've got another theory as well where it might be to do with, that there might be a move towards on a universal level towards more unity. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't, I can't really back this up, but this idea that, that human humanity is an experiment. It's a great experiment to, as a sort of, if we've got the capability for light and for dark, that maybe earth, not just humanity, but, all these different species on Earth from different places of the universe, with genetics from different places of the universe. Like, for example, whales apparently are linked to 
the Syrians in, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. And things like mm-hmm. that. Like, if there's genetics from all over the universe, it's sort of, there's a unifying aspect of that. And it energetically connects Earth to all these other species in other different places. Um, yeah. Oh, that seemed, that makes sense to you as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of what, because when they say experiment, sometimes I get uncomfortable. I know people I talk to, they don't like the idea that we're an experiment, but just exactly what you said, I so agree. The whole experiment is to see, can we come closer to this, this pure idea of unity on this smaller scale? And people think, oh, well, Earth's clearly failing. And I'm like, it's not though. Like we had to go through our own ascension process and things might feel really challenging right now, but the way I see it is we're, we're, we're getting there, definitely. If you think how far we've come from like the dark ages where, you know, people would sit and watch others be executed and yell and scream and shout, it's like we're so far from that in so many, so many ways. And then yeah. also in so many ways we're not. Yeah, and in certain ways we, we don't, we underestimate how much it's improved and it only looks this bad because we, we have actually got used to some of the improvements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now we're yeah. becoming more aware of how bad it really has been for a long time like yeah we've been yeah we've been quite comfortable with that sort of veil of if it doesn't directly affect us and it's, it's easy humans uh, on an individual level we we worry about our own survival needs from a sub- subconscious frame of mind that makes sense but when you're faced with the survival needs of others, it can be really confronting and it can be really uncomfortable. And it's so much easier, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's think, what this year really showed us is it can't stay that way much longer. It shows what the conditioning is like, right? But also how mm. we can't be stuck with this, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. 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 So do you think it just shows that people just get afraid? I think you controlled when they're afraid. They're afraid of getting a, of getting controlled. No, people are controllable when they're afraid. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fear is such a low, low vibration. And and people don't realize like what it does to your body and to your system. Are, you know, most people don't realize that they are just walking around as big balls of fear or anxiety that, or worry. Hmm. I mean, I'm not exempt from it. Like, even though I know yeah, totally. it's detrimental, like when you've still got inner work to do, just because you know it's a bad idea to get afraid or angry doesn't stop it from happening necessarily. It takes time. Oh, absolutely. And it was so interesting. I was watching this YouTube video yesterday. I don't know how these people, their, their names are like Elena and Alejandro. I can't remember their last names, but they're in the spiritual world. They're down with celestial beings and they, they measure the frequency of each race. I don't know how, but they basically were showing, um, as an example, like the little gray aliens, like their compassion is like at a level one from a thousand, but their empathy is at 98%. And so why they have such high empathy is so that they can feel what we're feeling. And when we're feeling the fear, then they know they can latch on to us. From like a, does that make sense? So it's like, it's like when you get psychopaths that they have one type of empathy and they can understand 
cognitive, they don't have compassion. They don't care. They don't have compassion. Yeah. So they're showing like they did humans, they did Andromedans, Octurians. I, I think I saw some of the video. same video. Uh, yeah. And it was this just guy so was interviewing them, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it just went I can't live, remember like the guy's bird. name. Sasha. Yeah, Sasha, that's it. Sasha Stone? Yeah. Yeah, I'd never watched any of his videos. A friend sent me the link, but I, I, I still need to, I want to know how they, you know, measure these frequency and vibrations. This is collective. So interesting. This is on a collective level, not on each individual case. A collective level. And so, it's not talking about star seeds, particularly, right? Mm-mm, mm-mm, about each species or race. And so what was interesting, I mean, because the Galactic Federation, they were out of a thousand only at like a 375 as far as like their overall energy. And the Pleiadians were at like a 700. I think yeah. the Arcturians were at like a 900 or something. The Arcturians are pretty interesting. The Palladians as well. I mean, the Palladians look so human or rather <clears throat> we look so Palladian. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then there's Ashtar. I don't know what species he is because he looks human. Yeah. Yeah, someone was just telling me too, this isn't, so I'll say I've been shown, meaning that the light beings or aliens shown me, and then I've been told, like if someone tells me just so there's like clarity, but someone was telling me that the Pleiadians are just us in the future. And then I've been shown that the Halls are just us like a million years in the future. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I, it's, we can't assume one way or the other really. No, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting concept when you come to sort of time and space. It's if everything, if all the dimensions are happening at, at once and, you know, for lack of better words, time is occurring all at once. It kind of made sense to me. I'm like, I could see that because I hear time and time again, we're just a little bit ahead of you in the ascension process. Right, maybe this is different. It, right, I'm just wondering, ahead. maybe there's different versions of humanity. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, there was exactly. a branch of human humanity that branched off from the past and is and went ahead to the future, but is actually not our strand. Like Greys might be a strand on the past that Yeah. In exactly. the future. So there's different timelines, right? Yeah. And yeah. the whole of time is like like a fabric that can be rewoven at any point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've heard that's what that. they've shown me yeah and so that's what they've shown me too with um just the end of the year the visual they showed me was sort of like a fabric i think it was more the universal grid but that these beans were taking out certain strands and then weaving in new ones and this isn't this is more like an analogy so that my human brain can understand but they're showing me it's like timelines and energy and frequency taking out those old strands that we as a collective overcame sort of through the tests of this year and then they're weaving in the new timelines the new energy you know the idea of as above so below as below so above right Mm -hmm. so we've got these different timelines you know like you're talking about them being woven in and out right what if timelines on a macro scale are effectively like you know string theory are the strings of the next level up or so they're the small scale and it's all the same. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I love those sort of concepts. Yeah, I do too. I it, The first time I heard about string theory, I was telling uh, my, my partner's dad's an engineer. His dad was like 
splicing atoms in the 60s. So they're, they're very in that realm of physics. Now I was telling him my spiritual quest, how I saw that humans have this sort of string that comes from their heart space connects to the universal grid. And it's almost like the entire universe is a violin and each soul, each human has their own sort of string that connects and vibrates at its own vibration, frequency, whatever you want to call it and how valuable it is. Like if one soul were to magically disappear, it would affect the entire harmonics of the universe. And he was like, oh, it's yeah. kind of like string theory, but not as far as like strings vibrating goes. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you're, that's one thing you're very interested in, isn't it? Uh, quantum physics and string theory and how that relates to mysticism. Yeah, I just have always had a fascination. Just, when I was a young child, I was really into Einstein and just his whole theory of relativity. What I feel like I understand now it's not that I fully understand it intellectually I couldn't go as the saying goes and explain it to a seven-year-old very clearly but I understand it really emotionally and I think that's where the spirituality comes oh. in where I read something I'll read like a article between Einstein and Schrodinger and I'm like oh that reminds me of this in my sort of spiritual quests or huh. when I channel yeah could you tell me more about that because the idea that it affects you emotionally. It's just something I feel, God, it's so hard to put into words. I just get really excited and I feel like something physically is happening. Like for instance, I, I still cannot, it, I still can't fully wrap my mind around gravitational time dilation. Like I get it. I'm like, okay, I kind of get what happens. I understand. I've read plenty of stuff. YouTube videos, articles, what have you, but I wouldn't be able to explain it fully to someone else, but I feel I understand it in my body. Does that make sense? I, it's weird. Kind it's, of. it's like. You have, you, well, your body has a sense of concepts. I don't mm -hmm. know what the word for that is. Um, it's like an empath. It, it's, but. It's intuition. It's intuition that what I'm either reading or watching as far as these scientific concepts go, that the intuitive hit is there's something really powerful here. And when I've asked the light beings about it, they've told me, you know, in the next 80 years or so, we will have even more scientific discoveries that still connect back to Einstein's days and all the, you know, Planck and all those sort of scientists that sort of create created this new pathway for us yeah and it's interesting how despite how long ago quantum physics was discovered right like mainstream physics is so staunchly materialist right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um it, why do you think that is i think there's just so much so what i was asking them and i talked to my father-in-law about this a lot is there's such a need for and it makes sense there's such a need for the maths and the logic when it comes to science and what the light beings were showing me is Einstein was really intuitive he was yeah. he, he might not have considered him but he was very spiritual very intuitive I've been shown that he was Syrian so was Tesla and so was uh, Da Vinci Do you mean they, star they were seeds? Syrian. yeah Syrian starseeds 
And Syrians are really known to, they were really impactful during the Egypt, ancient Egypt days. So they bring technology, sort of ancient alien technology okay. to us to help us ascend. Are you a star? I mean, that's, I've been shown that I'm also a, a serious Syrian starseed, which would make sense, just my interest in science, even though I'll never make a career out of it. Yeah, I don't, I haven't been given any indications other than a sort of, well, I somehow have an impression that I'm, that I don't know if how it works precisely, but like that, that maybe I have a connection to two races somehow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's possible, is it? Yeah, it's the star seed. It's sort of when your soul poofs into existence, whatever you know, your soul has its own version of the Big Bang, so to speak. It does oh. its first, either first incarnations or several incarnations in the same place or places. So I, even though I feel like my first, and we'll get into the whole like, there's no need for titles or attachment to you know titles, but. I feel really attached to Sirius, but then I also have a lot of Palladian energy as well. Yeah. So it's oh. like me. Well, I mean, what I know is that when I first saw a picture of the Arcturians, something about them really captivated me. So the Arcturians, something resonates there. I don't know what, uh, but I don't know. I have a sense that there might be an Orion connection as well. And yeah. That's, con that's a controversial one, isn't it? A little bit. I don't, I haven't communicated with the, are they just called the Orions? That I try depends. not to it's go. more than one type of them, I think, because there's like Draconians that are there, like, apparently they haven't got no connection to Source or something. I don't know if that's true. Then there's the other, I don't know, there's, um, I mean, there's a whole thing about the Orion Wars that were like, I don't know how long ago, a long time ago. Yeah, I think like millions of years. Like when they show me timelines, I'm like, that's, it's like hard to comprehend that life existed a millions of years yeah. ago. <laughs> but I guess the history that we're taught isn't necessarily accurate. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I think where we're going, is that, I mean, think about it. Think about aliens have been a big year in 2020. The Pentagon released those images. Didn't the, was it president or prime minister of Israel just say they communicate with aliens? So it's just so interesting yeah. to me that 2020, we're dealing with all this stuff from a very human level. We're, we're dealing with our physical bodies and our emotions and then we just have aliens coming through in the news. And to me, it just feels like we're headed in that direction where we will, I don't know if it's, yeah, it'd be once again living with celestial light beings. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that was really prevalent during ancient Egypt, uh, Atlantean times at the height of Atlantis and Lumeria, sort of like mm. this paradise. Yeah, we fell. We really fell. Maybe... Maybe when we fell from grace then with the fall of Atlantis, because apparently according to the the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, like they were, there was a faction or group of Atlanteans who were experimenting with 
forbidden things, uh, essentially, some sort of dark ritual that, and then there was this devastating, well, some disaster, and basically the frequency of humanity fell like from five dimensions to three dimensions. Um, mm. Maybe the whole, maybe some thought that the whole great experiment had failed then, but it wasn't over. Yeah, and what's so interesting about the Atlantean times too, as I've been shown, is they were given, so I think the dark forces, I'm not 100% sure, is they were given technology and they kind of used it for darker rather than the light, whatever that may be for that time, but they were given right. basically opportunity and they abused the opportunity and got too, too on the masculine side of energy, kind of what we're seeing right now, just really masculine and trying to overpower people and use technology for bad instead of good. Yeah, it does. You mean masculine energy in the sense of like, well, in the sense of in a universal level rather than yeah, not like male, but just uh, like they definitely didn't have the word hustle back then, but power and overcoming and hustling and trying to achieve and just yeah, reach the it's top. It's a service of self thing. Exactly. Where feminine is about receiving and flowing and surrendering and more simply being. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that in attempt to sort of catch up with feminism, there's been the potential tendency for um women to try to encapsulate too much of that masculine energy themselves yeah and i've seen i know exactly what you're talking about that was me when i was younger i thought i had to have this like bitchy strong woman attitude that i don't care about anything nothing can affect me and now it's really nice i know so many women who own their own businesses and they're completely in their feminine Masculine energy has to come through, of okay. course, just to get through life. It's yin and yang, but... We might use this opportunity to talk about... Okay, this is something I've got to be careful about because I know... Okay, so... People get very divided, don't they? And mm -hmm. uh, politics is one aspect of this. There's the, the whole culture war thing. And it, it's unfortunate that people have gotten so on one side... One polar side, opposite, or the other, right? And uh, there's this whole thing with um, ben feminism on identity politics, and things got very divided rather than unified in that sense. And what's your insight into that whole dynamic? Mm, what do you mean? Which can you clarify? Uh, how well, you get, for example, well, the right and the left, and mm. and or, or like um, where do you get feminine energy? That the feminism and anti-feminism, and you get these movements of then that they might the way it might be pushed might get have a counter reaction to it, and then essentially both sides get used by the elites. Yeah, I, the best I can answer on that is the way I view it, it, I just had it. It's almost like we're living in two different timelines as far as perspective goes. It used to just be, you have this opinion, I have mine. 
we disagree and that sucks, but we can move forward. It's, yeah. I feel like what's kind of happening is the divide is now just com- two completely separate timelines. Like when I talk to my father who not to get too much into re- uh, politics, but he's a Republican and he, he has those views and I'll, I'll share something with him. Like he didn't realize that black lives matter. The hashtag started in 2012. He thought it was completely only this year. And when I was sharing all the ideas with him, he, he, he was open to it, but he had no idea. So he just thought all these people are coming forward and, you know, marching in the streets. And he just thought it was a completely new idea. He had no idea. And it's because he, it, the reality that he's perceiving through the media he consumes and the people he talks to, it's just, it's a completely different storyline for him. Uh, I will admit something to you. Um, I consciously made an effort in recent, um, in let's say the last year to be less, less involved, less um, politically biased and more unity focused right but before that i was probably in the opposite end from to you mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. an anti-feminist mm-hmm. but i my yeah and it's there's this whole sense of misunderstandings between people these both sides where there's lots of the sets of grievances and yeah. the sense well, of what... one thing is a fear they're afraid of or another thing they're afraid of you know well what does anti-feminism mean to you just so i have clarity because i don't feel triggered by that at all i just i see it as like that there's a set of ideas or perceptions there and we're just not looking through the same lens which is okay and you okay so first of all clarify that i don't identify that way now but yeah of course essentially what it's what often is about at least in, in our generation and the, the millennial generation or the generation after that is that it's about there's a growing up with a sense of so how do how do i start because uh, this is um yeah a little sensitive especially given that i'm i'm consciously trying to the whole point part of the whole point of my podcast is unity rather than the division. So I've clearly got to be careful yeah. here. So essentially one as one's perspective is that there's all this, that there's racism and sexism for all this period of time and that we're becoming more aware of that. And we're starting, to, we're changing things to more, more towards progress and and less bigotry and yeah and most i mean i would say that most of us can agree with that it's just that the dis, the main disagreement in the west seems to be over is that do we need are we there yet essentially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some people feel threatened by the continual um political project Mm -hmm. to end bigotry in one way or the other because they feel like they're being treated like they are a problem or that they are a bigot just simply for not being progressive or progressive Mm -hmm. enough and they feel like 
and because it, there's a there were, the change seems to have happened where it became less about liberal tolerance and more about a constant crusade. At least that's how some people perceive it. But then what happened is people got so embittered by that that they went too far the other way, and they're like, "We've got to stop them." And when that happens, you have this it's a downward spiral where each side is reacting to from the other. Yeah. If you remember the nineties, things were actually a lot more tolerant, weren't they? But in, on the left and the right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so much as far as feminine goes in the workplace, but I, I things were definitely simpler, but I will say as far as um, what, what you were just saying. So it's, it does become this, this constant battle where I think we all forget what we're even fighting for. Yeah. Like I remember this one woman, this one woman was so angry that I think they're the same everywhere, but the walking sign. So when you press the button to cross the street, the walking sign flashes and it's just a, a, a body with the head. And she was saying, this is so sexist. We need to have one that represents female. Like they need to have one, you know, the, some, the typical bathroom sign of like the woman wearing a dress. She's like, we need ones with dresses. And I'm sitting there thinking it's just a body. Like it doesn't show genitals. It doesn't like, so she was just wasting all her energy. And then I'm thinking it's also kind of sexist to assume that women can only be represented as symbols wearing dresses. So, and she was like, this whole crusade where I was like, this is not what feminism isn't about. Like we need to put our energy towards, you know, equality, not that there's a freaking stop sign that shows a yeah. body and who figure. who benefits from this division? I would say the cabal benefits more the than who? anyone else. The cabal or the Illuminati, whatever you Oh, want. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when you're, when you're putting... And that's another, so going back to my dad, where he, he's a, he's a kind person. He's not a hateful person. When I opened, I had him watch that documentary about the media and the internet it just came out. It was just about how, you know, if you believe one thing, you'll keep seeing that on your Facebook. And so he heard something yeah, about, that. yeah. And he heard something about RGB. Uh, and so he, he questioned it and he actually did a fact check where I don't think he's ever fact checked anything he's received before in his life. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, this person was saying that RGB did this and this. And he's like, I fact-checked it and it was wrong. And he was like, you could just see, like, this is a man in his 60s who has lived with a certain type of conditioning, not by his choice, but just in the era he was raised. But who's and to RBG? Have that, RGB is, um, she was the Supreme Court. Oh, I heard her name slipping my mind. She just passed away. She was part of our Supreme Court, she did amazing things for women in the 60s, 70s, and oh. 80s as far as oh, women's yeah. rights. You, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and so, yeah, it was just really cute. I just saw, like, the shift happen in him where instead of annihilating him, it's like, don't annihilate, educate. Instead of me being like, Dad, like, you're so ignorant. How could you not know this? It's just presenting information, education, and then letting him do with it what he will with that education. Do you think and ordinary so, people awakening and getting more mindful and that this so is think an example yeah well yeah and i think and it was just by me showing up as an awakened heightened person like if i allowed my emotions to get in the way and 
think like what an ignorant individual and like, oh my God, you're so stupid. How could you not know this? Instead, instead just being like, yeah, you know, everyone's learning to the best that they can. We all make the decisions that we can make in that moment. And uh, yeah, I feel like ultimately when we're in the other end of all this, when we're in fifth dimensions, first of all, the whole systems we've been using left, right, or whatever, we'll just send it to something new anyway. Because mm-hmm. like, we'll just have a different perception being in 5D, right? And another thing is that hopefully we'll be able to learn from each other rather than... It's almost like there's a reflection. The left and right is almost like a reflection of... on a collective level of things on a on another individual level so yeah absolutely i mean and there's things see... to learn from each side right and we will when we're in 5d we'll when a properly when all of us are when we're actually properly done the integration of the shadow and so forth like i feel like yeah we'll, we'll be looking at it in a more holistic way. Something the light beings showed me, which was so interesting. And these were, I almost feel like ninth dimensionals too. So they don't deal with the physical body as I've been shown, but they're telling me like, we, we still have politics. We still disagree. Like, you know, politics as far as what could be the equal, like we still disagree. We just don't, murder each other over it and so what they're showing me is like if it were you and I and we were a ninth dimensional light beings having a disagreement I would we would show the timeline of your idea show the timeline of my idea and then play out the timeline of the collective and then see which one how we can make sort of the mix that will serve our needs, our desires, and the collective. Right, and the, the present, presentation of the timelines, it, it would be something that it couldn't really be denied, right? Yeah, it just, we, it'd be like, you're like, let's, something simple, let's go on a road trip here. And I'd be like, no, let's go here. And we just watch those timelines play out and see which one best serves both our needs. Where I it might be like, oh yeah, you're right. That was a way better idea. Let's do that. Uh, but what if you disagree about which is better while looking at the same data? Then you, that's when the unified consciousness, that timeline comes through. So it, even if we still disagree, we choose whichever best serves the greatest and highest good, even if it goes against our, our needs, our desires, or whatever we think is best. Right. It's just, there's like that pause to say, let's look at your idea. Let's look at mine. And then let's look at the collectives and see what will just serve everyone. Yeah. So I mean, imagine that. That would be pretty and, cool. If you just do a simulation, well, it's kind of, that's a new kind of, that's a different type of science, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they're showing me too, there are 3D beings, um, you know, not of earth that do have technology. They're showing me you don't have to have a light body to have access to technology to travel through space and time. It will just look differently if you maintain a physical body. 
probably not carbon based. So like there's grays that are three dimensional or two dimensional, but they can travel through space and time. Two dimensional grays. Yeah. That's interesting. And so they're showing me from like a frequency energy standpoint, not so much as just how they, so they have really low compassion and they have really low, well, they have high empathy, creativity and intuition. It's almost like they would be less as from an energy standpoint. I've been shown that dimensions are really just uh, perspectives, frequency and perspectives, a shift in perspective. Right. So one thing you mentioned a, f- a fair few times in your on your YouTube channel is at the Akashic Records. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell the listener about that and how to access it? Yeah, I used to read the records. That sort of was the opening portal of my intuitive gifts. I feel like the records were created by the Palladians. I can't confirm that, but I feel like it was something created for us or for the universe by them, or they work closely with it. It basically contains everything in your past, present and future from a soul level. And so you can access your Akashic records for the purpose of healing. So not when will I get married, but more why do I feel this deep desire to get married right now? Can or, you also use it for learning? Mm-hmm. It's, it's related to your soul. So I don't think you could say open Einstein's Akashic so records. It's all on an individual soul to soul basis, but can it, is it on a collective, are there collective Akashic records as well? Like opening the records of a collective? Yeah. I would, I've never thought about that. I would imagine you could because everything is just energy and and intention, but I know it's really created. The higher purpose of it is for healing to prepare us for our ascension. So you, you, you look at past lives, you can look at future possibilities, future timelines, and kind of just see where you fit into all of that from a healing perspective. So what are the most interesting things that you learn? I've dealt with a lot of money blocks a couple of years ago. So an, an interesting sort of past life I was shown, I was really struggling setting my prices for my sessions. And so I asked why, and they showed me, I feel like it was UK or Scotland 16th century I was the rent collector and it was during a famine or just during a time where it was like winter and everyone was starving. And I felt so guilty collecting the rent from these starving, emaciated, you know, villagers that lived on my boss's land. And so I just, I just could see, and so I'm very visual. So I could see me collecting this rent from this woman who had five children and they're completely starving. And I just, I had to take the money from them. And so that showed how if, you know, everything is occurring all at once from a time standpoint, then that energy can easily filter into this life. It's not overpowering, it's not overcoming, but it's just having that awareness of there's no reason for me in this life to not feel I deserve to raise my prices. And when I had that awareness that it's okay for me to take, because the idea was that everyone else is poor. Like in this life, I just thought everyone's too broke. No one has money for my sessions like I just feel so bad I need to make my prices really cheap so that people can you know have it accessible and then once I saw I was just connected to that past life that awareness 
I raised my prices and people started booking. Right. That's fascinating. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, how, how able do you need to be? What is necessary to effectively use the Akasha Records? Trust. Trust in what you see, receive. I, with clients, not so much about the, the records anymore. I still have people uh, message me about it, but just channeling, using the records, mediumship, using your psychic gifts, it all comes down to trust. People really want to talk to aliens. And I'll, I, I'm like, just sit in meditation and invite them in telepathically. And they'll say, I think I kind of heard something or I think I kind of saw something. And this goes the same with their records. It's like, I'm just not sure. And I'm like, it's real. Just trust that it's real and go from there. They always think it's their imagination. And I just believe like it is. They're, they're using your imagination to create answers and resources for you. Right. I just realized that uh, one thing we could do, I mean, I mean, there's various other things I could ask you, but do you, do you reckon you could actually briefly channel? Yeah, absolutely. Who do you want to come through, the Arcturians? Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's what you came up with first. So sure, let's do that. <laughs> is there but, someone else you want to come through i mean i'm curious about the nihils and i'm curious about the nihals um, let, let's try them yeah the nihals i don't okay. know what to ask them though that's the thing they'll probably just start talking and then you can the thing too so you can't they're translating through my consciousness so it's almost like they'll show me things where i'm like i just don't know what that is and then a couple of days later i'll get the idea to for a quantum physics example, they'll be like, look up this. And I'm like, oh, that's what you were showing me. So just so it's like, you know, if I'd never have been to France and don't know anything about France, you asking them about France for this analogy, it's like the information will be muffled, so to speak. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. It's through my own language. It's through my own translations of things. So if you ask them, like, I ask them crazy questions all the time and they try to like how to time travel and stuff. And they're like, they show me things. I'm like, I don't know what that is. They're like, well, there's no human right. word for it. Let's, let's go then. Okay. So just give me about 30 seconds to hop in. I can already feel them. I just like to do like a proper grounding and clearing to protect my body and energy. You can feel it in your head. I feel it in my spine. They enter oh. through the back of my spine, kind of my heart space area. And I start to get a body high. Hello, dearest one. We are the Nihal Collective, and we are so grateful and gracious to be connecting with you in this present moment in time. I'm very grateful to speak with you. 
And so as you suspected, your intuition was very correct. You have quite a bit of Arcturian energy, but your first incarnation was that of Pleiadian. Oh. And, and what we see, what we're showing this one is the Arcturian energy is flowing through you in this current timeline of your life for they would like to work through you, connect with you, help you create uh, empowerment and ascension through your own frequency and vibration. And what we mean by that, and there's nothing that needs to be done by you, simply awareness and intention that they can work through you, creating resources uh, of, of energy. And what we mean by that is when they connect with you, when you create an intention, your vibration shifts and it, it begins to expand outward, creating a ripple effect. And so you can feel that, can't you, at times? I think so. What mm, kind of again, effect? Timeline. Do you mean that I affect the timelines through the intentions that I set? You all do. You all do. And it, when, you, when you bring more awareness to your actions, to your words, your thoughts and intentions, the timelines begin to shift. What is my gift to give? Your your gift. We are showing her one. Other humanity. Yeah. Sorry. You are here as a change maker. And so that works quite well with your Pleiadian energy. Pleiadians do tend to have a lot of shadowy work. They must sort of sift through. And we can see you resonate with that. But you you work best as a voice. You have quite an open throat chakra as we are showing her. And your voice as she feels is quite soothing and quite um, uh, expansive. And so the more you use your voice, the more you can create change. And we want you to not feel overwhelmed by the idea of creating change. You are given one piece of the puzzle to the collective ascension of earth, of humanity. If you focus on the big picture, and a lot of you humans do that, you lose sight of the details of what your life purpose is. Does that make sense? So focusing on the one piece of the puzzle, whatever that may look like for you. I think I understand. We can get so ambitious with the change we want to do instead of simply doing the change that we love. Exactly. It's, it's, it's as an analogy, it's, it's someone who wants to save the world, but then they won't even donate $5 to something online to help. You know, when, when that yes. simple action can be so beneficial, because if everyone donated, say the $5, that would create the change, but it stops them. If the problem feels too big, no action is taken. And so when you focus on your, your little puzzle piece, this one has her own puzzle piece as well. It's almost like a piece of the grid, the universal grid of consciousness and the grid of earth. And when you focus on that one section of earth energetically, you create the change you seek to create. Okay, thank you. Do you have any what other questions for us? 
what advice do you have about dealing with um, fear and anger with regard to shadow work? What is so special about humans is you, you deal in a variety of senses. You have your physical bodies, you have your emotions, you have your souls, your consciousness, your mind, whereas other beings might not have a physical body. So they do not deal with the pain and suffering, but also the joy that comes with having a body. Their emotions are elevated to that of a higher frequency. So they, they only know love, but they do not know, they do not know pain or fear. And so it might not seem special to you, but it actually is quite special because you have the ability to feel from a physical and an emotional sense, everything on the spectrum. And so when you are dealing with your fear or your anger, when it is suppressed, it, it finds a place to live inside your bodies. Your bodies help with the excess energy to the best of their abilities, but they have not reached their full potential yet. And so that fear or that anxiety becomes a suppressive and it starts to, to grow and sometimes it turns into disease. So it's really powerful you, for you to let the emotions out, whatever they may be. If you're joyful, let that joy out. If you are angry, let it out. But do not become attached to the joy. Do not become attached to the fear or anger. Release it out into the world to be alchemized by universal consciousness. It is not wrong to be angry. It is not wrong to be scared. When you put that mental note on your various emotions, what you're doing is creating more stagnation. Thank you. You're so very welcome. And so you can see, you can see the sort of walking zombies on the planet with their emotions suppressed. And then they have these outbursts of anger. It boils over. And the same with joy. They don't take time to have a holiday for themselves or a break. And so when they finally do, they're so overwhelmed by the leisure, by the joy, by the happiness that they sometimes get sick. You'll see people work and work. And when they finally do get, take a holiday, they become ill. The emotions are crucial to your consciousness in direct correlation to your carbon-based bodies. They are the highways of connection. I'm curious, why does your presence create a physical movement in her body? Her physical body is not quite used to our energy. And so the movement helps, well, it helps move the energy through her body. It creates, it's almost like listening to music and wanting to dance for her. Yeah. And sense. so with, with some energies, she channeled, a being the other day where she was perfectly still, she did not move. That was a fifth dimensional being who was of light, but we as ninth dimensionals, Nihals, we, we have a higher frequency of energy. The same with the Arcturians for her. The Pleiadians, their energy makes her move 
quite a lot. It's almost too intense for her that she, she doesn't channel them as much. You'll see, you, when you see people who, who are fully in their bodies, the movement is actually quite natural. What must Does that makes yes, yes. What must a potential channel keep in mind to be safe in their in their channeling? Practice discernment. You can ask if we are of the light, and they will act. They will. They should answer truthfully, but sometimes they don't. She realizes now they're was a being who, who goes by the name of Ramas. And he, he, she believes him to be a gray, but he's not fully that, that species. He is not of the full darkness, but he is not of the full light. He is in the middle as, as a, a gray, as far as energy goes. And she recognizes now that he might not have her highest intention but it is not his fault. It is all he, he knows as far as his own energy and frequency. And so she had to make the challenging decision to let him go and tell him no. She never channeled him. It was all telepathic. But it's remembering that you have absolute free will, that beings of the dark cannot enter your frequency or energy or org field without your permission either on a conscious or subconscious level. And so when you entertain fear or anger, that, that brings your energy down, giving them almost a open invitation. But you always have the power to say no. You always have the power to ask them to leave. And of course, there's always, mm, there's always divine source at play too. So for humans who suffer from psychic attacks, it may be a part of their growth. It may be an opportunity for them to step into their power. It may be an opportunity for, for them to see that they need to set greater boundaries in the physical as well as the ethereal. But if you were to channel, you would feel, we feel really good to her and we would feel really good to you as well. So you could see, you would be able to feel it in your physical body that these are beings of light of goodness that serve the highest and greatest good. Okay, what can you tell what can you tell me about unpolarized consciousness? Can you clarify? Let's say the let's say there was a an Arcturian that was completely unpolarized and was sixth density, um, for example. And by unpolarized, do you mean unified? I suppose so. Yes, yes. This one is feeling confused. Sorry, I'm being unclear. I, I mean, neither service to others nor service to self to any degree. That would not be an Octurian. That oh. would be a certain species. And so as this one explained earlier in the video that you two watched, there are beings who, who do not serve themselves or others, do not, do, not, mm, 
Do not go about this universal plane with a purpose. Is that what you mean? I, yes, though perhaps I'm confused. Perhaps we will let this one come in and you two can, can expand together. Yes, thank you. You are very welcome. We will let her come back in one moment. Hey, so my consciousness, when it's something just to explain for the listener and for you, it's like my consciousness is standing about three feet behind my body and I'm just kind of like hanging out in the background. I can hear everything, but I'm not focused on it. But when it's something I don't know, it starts to come back in because my ego's like, we don't know the answer. We don't want to mess up. And it's like, I start to intervene. So that's why they're like, well, she's already coming back in. So we'll let her come back in. That was, yeah, that was fascinating. So I didn't know I had a Palladian connection. Yeah, I kind of got that from you in the beginning, but I don't like to just say something unless I know for sure. Huh, so I had this perception of sixth density, that at a certain point of sixth density, a being ceases to be polarized and towards service to others or service to self. Um, that's the direction I was coming from with my question. Oh, and, but would it, but would that shift then just from your perspective of understanding, would that shift then when it reaches a seventh density? About midway through sixth, according to, according to what I've, um, I think going to the raw material. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. I don't know, actually, because I really love that raw material. I try not to, there's nothing wrong with this. I just try not to go on the internet or read too much. But just to what I do know is, for instance, when a being reaches the ninth density, they become totally in service of others. So is that kind of what you're like, kind of the same idea? Ninth density. Yeah. So it's almost like to, I think Ross says this too. It's, it's from the soul perspective. It's almost like they turn around um, for a visual uh, and help all of those behind them in service. So I suppose do you mean the higher self is helping your higher self is you in the future helping you? Yeah. Okay. Kind of like the same idea, same idea. So with the knee halls, when they ascended to a ninth and sometimes too, I'm not sure if it's the correct numbers. It's just, I sh I'm shown flashes of things. So, cause I know so many six. people have, I know it's, I know it's up there, but, oh, I see. Cause yeah, it's reverse. I just, what I mean by that is I feel like people, everyone has, there's a few different um, ways of describing the dimensions. Like it's kind yeah, of confusing. Yeah, there's different ways of doing it. There's dimensions and there's densities. different density systems. I think, I, I don't think there's just 
seven. That's so, any way of breaking it up potentially. So would you say then the six, you, you're not in service to others, but you're also not in service to yourself. So is it about simply being one? I don't know. I had this idea that I came up with that maybe at that point it becomes service to unity. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. I don't know. So I was curious about that, and that's what I was asking them about. But yeah. it seems that there were certain things I was being clear about or certain differences in perspective that meant that, well, they also sensed that you were coming back in, so... Yeah, that's and it's something I'm trying to practice on because I've had it a couple, I've definitely done it several times where I, it feels like I black out. Like when I come back, I'm like, oh shit, I'm in my living room and I'm talking to this person. I totally forgot that. And that's when I've listened back on the audio is when they have more free reign to share. But when it's like really quick, me just getting in there, I'm able to feel them drop in, but my consciousness is still hanging out way too close. Okay. So the Nihals, for example, like when you say you didn't want to get it wrong. It's just the ego. Right. So they could have dealt with it fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's just they, I start to come back in and they, they were telling me like, it's okay. You can surrender. You can let go. And I was like, I just don't know what he means. And I want to know. So, yeah. So, I want to start. I could definitely could interview you again because I'm. I would love that. I feel like we could talk for 10 hours about everything. Yeah. Um, this is. Oh, well, something that was interesting is I didn't. Spaceship beings. That, that piqued mm. my interest earlier. So. What they were showing me is, and I found the word for it finally too, is so like a Pleiadian, a light being, they no longer, they no longer have a, for the, for the sake of this, a carbon-based body. They're, they've completely activated all the light within their DNA so they can... Just as an example, a Palladian, if they wanted to travel through space and time, they would use their energy of the light and create a Merkaba. So it's like a sort of orb around them. I mean, this goes beyond technology. It's, I don't even know what we would call it because there's, there, it's not a machine. It's completely using their energy vessel to tra travel through, in, uh, through interdimensional parallels, all, the, all of that. Is that what Thoth did? Huh? I've got a feeling Thoth might have done that. Yeah, exactly. And But then if there's beings who still have a, a physical body like you and I, so like as an example, maybe a thousand years from now, humans will have the technology to travel, travel through space that isn't just uses up all these resources and energy in a just a horrible way as where we are right now you think about like a rocket just shooting into space and all that fuel and energy so that's what they're showing me that there's these there it was kind of i think grays just look really cute like the little ones i mean i know they're like little dickheads but they're just like in their little spaceship kind of doing their thing and it i don't know how it works but they can travel through space quickly 
So I guess space and time. Hmm. Whereas the light beings traveling through their orb, their Merkaba, it would be like seconds. It's just through their consciousness that they can travel to other places in the universe. You know, one thing I haven't asked you is how you discovered spirituality in the first place. Yeah, that started for me in 2012. I, I knew I was a spiritual person. I didn't grow up religious. And at the time I was dating a guy and his dad was really into sacred geometry and the Palladians. And we would go out to the Integratron, which is in Joshua Tree in California, or actually Landers. And there's a whole alien backstory to the Integratron, but basically it's this white dome and you do sound healing baths inside of it. And so we would have sleepovers in this dome and talk about sacred geometry and listen, do a gong ceremony. And a lot of the people there would, you know, very Kundalini, wear all white and they would talk about star seeds and Palladians. And at the time I was just like, not into it. Like I was open to it, but I just, the, the idea of a Palladian was just so far off for me. And I think just from there, I just started following the breadcrumbs when I moved to Australia, I, there's something here about the energy of this place. But I really opened up. I just received the download that I meant to help people, to serve people. At the time, I was a, a photographer, a surf and skate photographer. And I just couldn't like reach that level of success. It just felt like complete dog paddling. And when I let that go, I just opened myself up fully to I'm meant to do something in the spiritual realm, something in the healing realm. I had no idea what. And my intuitive gifts started coming back on. And what I mean by that, I just, I never had any experiences with spirits, aliens, ghosts. And I started seeing spirits in my third mind, like our third eye in my house. And it was kind of terrifying. Like I'd wake up and there'd be this like Native American man watching me sleep, like standing over my bed. And I'd have to be wow. like, can you, can you just like, I learned really quickly. If you ask them to leave, they will. And from there, I just taught myself how to create boundaries because there was a little bit of fear of, I don't want to be this like open being for anyone to come in and do whatever they want. And I discovered the Akashic records and had success opening them pretty quickly. And that really just turned on my gifts of, you know, I have sight, I can hear really well. And knowingness is another one of my strong gifts. And then when the channeling came in, I started meditating more deep meditations, hour long meditations where I started having telepathic conversations with these beings. I had no idea. I didn't think they were aliens. And then one day I just felt this like really strong energy in my throat and I started speaking and I spoke for like 30 minutes, just full channeling of just, and they were dropping the craziest knowledge and wisdom. And the next well, time I did it, I didn't, I think they were the Pleiadians at the time. I had no idea who I was channeling. I didn't even know I was channeling. I actually told a friend about the experience and she's like, oh, you're channeling like Esther Hicks. I had no idea. And so from there, eventually they let me know they were the Pleiadians and I kind of opened myself up to this whole world that there are other people who channel and went down that rabbit hole. And so that all happened as far as the channeling last March, April. I've only been, I haven't been channeling for a year. Right. My concern with channeling is I want to make sure I do enough in a work first because I, 
I'm aware that I still haven't entirely dealt with my fears and stuff like that. I know. Yeah. I don't want that to improve things. I mean, they're there. You could definitely communicate with them telepathically and just receive guidance and information that way. When I work with them on my own healing with channeling, I'll kind of set an intention or ask, you know, why am I dealing with these shadowy things? And then I record it and just listen to the recording. So they just kind of flow out of me. And so you don't have to be this perfectly healed person, non-shadowy person. But if you do have some, you know, if there is sort of a stop sign there for you, then follow that, you know? Right. Um, one more question, uh, I think. Um, what can you tell the listener about Othala? Orthalia. So she, I don't know what kind of race she is. She looks like a gray alien, but she's seven or eight feet tall. She's benevolent. She's really nice. She's really sweet. I, I take a lot of baths. Water is really conductive for me. I think that's my serious planet B starseed lineage because it's an all water planet. So I'm in the water, either ocean, shower, or bath. I receive a lot of downloads. And I just was sort of, I don't even know. I just sort of ended up on this spaceship that was uh, in my mind's eye that was hovering above earth. And she sort of walked through and her energy was so loving and kind. And again, uh, beings that are of the dark, they can't really fake that loving kind energy. It feels like when you see your grandma or something, you're just like, they can't right. fake that. So what's the difference between, how do you tell the difference between false light and the real thing i think beings of the dark they'll they'll be like you should do this or like you need to do this like light beings never say you should do something they might be like it might benefit you to do this but they want you to feel empowered so they'll never say like you need to go contact this person and you should do this and you'll just, you'll not feel in your worth around them. I have, I've only dealt with that one, what the knee halls were talking about, Ramas, where I'm like, I just don't, I just don't like your vibes. I just don't like, I don't really like your vibes. I'm not sure what your deal is. And I have the absolute power to say no, you know, but Earthalia, I think works with, as she's shown me, she works with the Galactic Federation and what she'll do is connect with earthlings and help them along their journey so it's sort of like having a social worker or a guidance counselor between me and the galactic federation and so i'll just ask her questions like what how can i be of high service what do you want me to do next as far as like if i'm creating something i'll ask her opinion on it all right well i think i should um leave it at this for now but it has been, it's been great talking to you. And, uh, well, maybe I'll pay for channeling or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do this again, though. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's um, The conversation was really natural. And most of it at the time, I wasn't even going on, like, any of the pre-prepared stuff. So, mm, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. natural between us, which is nice. And I'm really glad I talked to the new house. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That was good. All right, then. Um, bye for now. And um, it was great talking to you. Yeah, it was great talking to you too. Thanks.